We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the ninth day of March, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you doing today? Healthy and alive. Yeah, doing well. Gas prices are continuing to go up. Cost of living is continuing to go up. I mean, you know. That's great, isn't it? Yeah. You, you enjoying yeah, that? Great day in paradise. Are we, are we all enjoying that? Are, are we all enjoying that? Because, uh, I mean, it's it's clear it's clear what the problem is here. Well, the problem is it's it's all Putin's fault. That's what the problem is. It's all Russia's fault that this has happened. I mean, you heard Jen Psaki yesterday. It's all it's all Russia's fault. That's why we're dealing with yeah. this now. And you heard the president yeah. of the World Bank. He said the same thing. It's all Russia's fault. Yeah, um, I'm sure it is. Um, you know, given the fact that we were having problems before this, and they were saying it was uh, what was it? Those tr uh, trucks, the 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 cargo ships and the tankers and all of that off the shores uh -huh. that were not uh -huh. able to get into port, and it was the uh -huh. truckers not moving the freight in the ports to well, get they, it out of the ports. It's because they wouldn't get right, right, right. Had nothing to do with the fact that all the factories were shut down because of COVID. Produce was then not being produced. Then when it was kicked back up, then you have the shipping times, the times it takes to manufacture, the times it gets to, you know into the market and all of that causes huge backup, which do we did we ever get those ships cleared off of the or did their policy of charging them thousands of dollars per container work? No, they uh, they just moved right. the ships 50 miles out just off of the horizon. So you couldn't see them anymore. Yeah. Okay. So they weren't That's, they weren't uh, there. Just sweep it under the rug like they've been doing everything else. Like they just did with COVID because apparently COVID never happened now. You've no, seen it's been no. memory hole. COVID? What was COVID? What, what is what's COVID? Is that a word or something? Is that a, is that a new term that we've we've heard before or something? I I don't know. I, I've never I, heard of that. I I must have I must have came up with it in a dream or something. You know, in my must have uh, yeah. sleep deprived state yesterday. Yeah. 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 Long long dream. You know, two and a half year dream. That's that's quite a bit considering the average dream. I think is what five to eight seconds or something like that. And that's a long one. Unless you like in the five to eight seconds, your your mind created this entire story of two years hmm. you'd want to think that it was a bad dream to be honest but they want you to now forget it was, <laughs> it was actually <laughs> they want you to now forget everything that they've done over the last two years none of that's ever happened no none of that's ever happened the most heinous criminal acts ever perpetuated on human beings in all of recorded history the psychological tactics that were used against the populations of the world all of that now doesn't exist okay so let me get this straight. You tried to kill people so you can you can add attempted murder to the list of charges we're going to be dealing with on the other side of this because, oh, yes, they're going to pay for that. They're going to pay for that. That's going to happen. We're going to talk about the Pfizer data tomorrow. We're going to talk about some digital things today. We're going to talk about the Pfizer data tomorrow. But what are they going to do 
to get you into the digital system. They tried to do it with COVID, with the things that we just talked about, with the vaccines, the vaccine passports. They tried to get you to take the digital ID with that. Well, you get vaccinated, you can get this back, but you have to take this because uh, we have to know that you're keeping people safe and you're not risking people's lives. But yet all of that's turned out to be a lie because all of the data that's come out has shown us now, you know, the data they tried to keep hidden for 100 years, it's shown us now that none of those things were effective. Safe and effective? All of it was a lie. Not only not only was it a lie when it comes to uh, the vaccines and the effectiveness thereof, uh, but they were uh, stifling data research on other pharmaceuticals that were therapeutic in nature that were, well, really, it was showing signs that they were, as I've said before, a miracle drug uh, when it comes to ivermectin. In fact, we th- there's... Um, there's some people that have come out, whistleblowers that have come out and said, we knew this back uh, in 2020. We knew that this was the case. Uh, and this one individual, a CEO of a, of a, um, a uh, what the, the name is, it escaped me now, the word when you're a, um, like an advisory to a, you're hired as an advisory for a company. A consultant. Consultant. Now you have a, a CEO of a um, consultant uh, group that, you know, they've consulted things like WHO, other governments, you know, international bodies and so forth. Uh, and they basically showed that uh, ivermectin was very effective. It was um, a, a wonder drug versus COVID-19. And you have, you know, governments that were stifling the information. They were hiding it. They, they weren't allowing that information to get out. Um, media lambasted to say you were uh, saying you were, you know, taking horse paste or whatever. Uh, and yeah, it, it, some people need to hang over this, um, how this went down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, literally, we need to have trials and they need to be hung. Yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's kind of the course of action here, to be honest, because if you think about the malpractice, the medical malpractice here, this can't be forgiven. I'm sorry. There, there's, there's no forgiving this. There's no way to rectify the damage that's been done. There's so many different aspects to this that there's no way to rectify this, as in there, there's no way to replace the cost in human life that they've taken here. Um, and it's through their incompetence. It's through their, their willful intentions, if you will. As Bruce just got through saying, it's not an accident that these things happened. It's, it's not all incompetence. A lot of it was done intentionally. Now, when you look at... Yeah, I've... Yeah, go ahead. Real quick on that, on the ivermectin stage, literally to what you're saying that this was intentional. The uh, there's a an interview that the CEO had recorded uh, of her and a colleague, um, and she was trying to convince the colleague who has a government position uh, to um, you know put out the real facts, put out the the real data, the real information. You know, let people use ivermectin, let doctors use it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know people are going to die, blah, blah, blah. I know. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, it, this isn't going to go on for another like six days or a week or something like that, that they're going to stop ivermectin. It's been two years since that. Not to mention the fact that we can utilize that particular drug for many other things, any other type of viral infections down the road that these these sick, insane people might be cooking up in a lot of these um, the, these labs, which uh, Greg Reese has done a, a great report about that. I will be posting that today, but we're going to be playing that tomorrow. Unfortunately, we don't have the time today. Uh, moving right along, again, all of this was about getting you to take the digital ID, right? 
That's what it was all about. You go out and you get vaccinated and you get this this nice little app on your smartphone that's convenient. It's going to have all your data in there and you'll be able to uh, to access all of these services. You'll be able to travel, uh, but you're still going to have to lock down. You're still going to have to isolate. You're still going to have to test. You're still going to have to wear a mask. You're still going to have to do all that because, well, the vaccine's safe and effective. So none of that made any sense. But what was it about? It was about getting you to buy into that system. Once you were in that system, then they had the ability to ratchet down on all of your existence, everything that you do in life. Everything was going to be tracked, traced, and controlled based on that. And then once you were already inside, there was really no way to get you out of it. But people saw through it. People started to wake up to it. Again, you had movements building across the world that were pushing back against that. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a war in Ukraine. Russia goes into Ukraine almost right when they should have, as in if you're looking to uh, to make the, uh, the resources market skyrocket. The Biden administration, according to ABC News, the Biden administration halts oil and gas leases amid legal fight on climate cost. This was published on February 22nd of 2022. The Biden administration is delaying decisions on new federal oil and gas drilling and other energy-related actions. Russia went into Ukraine two days later, and all of a sudden, sanctions get thrown up everywhere, And but we're still buying Russian oil. We're shutting down everything else. We're banning Russian cats. We're, uh, we're shutting down McDonald's, but we're still paying the workers. That's interesting. Starbucks, all the Hollywood movie companies, uh, Facebook, Twitter, CNN, BBC, all these companies, they all shut everything down over there. And then Biden comes out today and says this. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. Now, we're all of a sudden going to shut down 11 percent of the global oil supply when we have no alternative to replace it with. Instead, you're going to go work deals with Venezuela. You're going to work deals with Iran. You're going to work deals with Saudi Arabia, but you're not going to explore anything at home. We're going to leave the Germans hanging high and dry, mostly because of their own moronic actions doing the Nord Stream 2 deal, which never should have happened. But if we explore at home in America, if we explore there, well, then we can satisfy most of the Europeans along with ourselves, can't we? Yes, we can. We wouldn't need to look to these other parts of the world. We wouldn't need to look to the Iranians. We wouldn't need to look to the Saudis. We wouldn't need to look to the Venezuelans. But no, we can't do that. Why can't we do that? Well, you see, it's it's those darn energy companies, isn't it? It's a it's those it's those darn energy companies. They're the ones that are the, that are at fault of this, right? They're the ones that are at fault. It's not like you have Mayor Pete, who is the transportation secretary, who was responsible for those cargo ships that Bruce mentioned. He was responsible for those cargo ships being jammed up. He was the one that was responsible. He was key in making sure that the supply chains in America broke down. That's why you have empty shelves. Oh, he just so happens to be one of Klaus Schwab's young global leaders as well. You've got him. You've got VP Harris visiting car manufacturers saying, well, that's okay. The, the, the high gas prices, that'll just force people to buy electric vehicles, which is what they need anyway. 
You people are so disconnected from reality, you actually think that because you put people in a jackpot like that, they don't see you for the criminal scumbags that you actually are, that it's actually going to force people to just say, oh, I guess I better go out and buy an electric vehicle then. That's not how it works. That might be how it is in the academic world of the buffoonery that you people come from. But that's not how it works in the real world. We see criminal trash when it rears its ugly head, and we're seeing it everywhere. But again, it's the energy companies, isn't it? It's not the Biden administration. No, no, it's not them. They're not the ones that are bankrupting you. They're not the ones that are, I I don't even want to call this a controlled collapse. We're in a free fall. This is a free fall of the world economy. You tried to pull out of the global system. You tried to pull out of the world government project. America, Australia, Europe, you started to back away from it. In 2012, when you had top pundits around the world, in Europe, in America, in Canada, and Australia, you had the alternative party people starting to come out after the crash of 08 saying, hey, we need to get out of this whole world government thing. We need to get away from all this stuff because this is just going to end in disaster. And you had the Davos group, the UN, and all these other groups that are all for this government, pro- this world government project saying, if you start to pull out of this, then we're going to have a war. They're not going to give up over this stuff. They've worked too long and too hard to get to this point. Now it's about cutting the supply lines and cutting off your resources. They want a form of neo-feudalistic serfdom. That's what it's all about. There's an upper class and a slave class. They keep you living in squalor. They keep you to the point where you're starving, literally, and you do what they say. That's what this is. But again, don't look to the people that are causing this. No, it's not their fault, is it? No, of course not. No, it's it's not their fault. It's not the Biden administration's fault. It's not the, uh, the the bumbling idiots at the United Nations. It's not their it's not their fault. It's not the fact that the EU's been a monumental failure from its inception. We're just now seeing the end game of it. It's not that. No, no, it's not that. It's not the fact that the banks have looted the pension funds and stolen your future. It's not the fact that that they're now stealing, literally stealing the assets going forward. And if you think that's not stealing, what do you think these sanctions are all about? If they can do it to the Russian oligarchs, they can do it to you. They don't want the property of the Russian oligarchs. They want your property. They want your assets. They want your possessions. That's what they want. You see, there's nothing else left to take in the financial markets. They've already stolen it all through fraud. And now they're going to steal your assets through fraud. What did I say yesterday? Central banks, hedge funds, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're all foreign arms of the same cartel. They've always hidden their actions in the past. People didn't really catch on to that, to that being a major player in a cause of things, except for the truly enlightened ones that actually understood the banking system. It was mostly previewed to a lot of insiders, a lot of high level academics. They understood it. But the average Joe really didn't have too much of a concern of that because they were too busy raising a family, working a job, trying to provide and, and, and give a good life to their uh, to their wife and their kids. That's usually what it was. Going to their kids' ball games or whatever it is they were doing. People were just living. They weren't paying attention to the institutions. Now we are. Zbigniew Brzezinski said it many years ago. He said, for the first time in all of human history, mankind is politically awake. And they're not staring at the politicians any longer. They're staring at the elite. That's exactly who we're staring at. I don't give a damn about some ragtag group of idiots that are sitting in a local government building. I don't care. That's not my concern. My concern is the institutions that foster these problems that lead us to ruin. That's my concern. One peon bureaucrat that knows nothing sitting in a government building probably doesn't affect much. 
really doesn't have too much of a uh, too much of a sway over someone's life. Health department officials are the exception here. I think we've seen what they've been able to do over the last two years, haven't we? But the higher institutions and the NGOs and, and the banking systems that they're involved with and organizations like the WEF and the United Nations, that's our problem. And then, of course, you've got China, like I said yesterday, in, that, in, in spheres outside of that. But they don't want you to blame those institutions and those individuals. That's why I make that point. They don't want you to look at that. They don't want you to focus on that. They want you to focus on the energy companies. That's what they want you to focus on. Biden saying it's not his fault. No, it's not his fault. No, he's trying to to help the American people and, and trying to bring that price down. That's what he's trying to do. Look, let me be clear about uh, two other points. First, it's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. No. Even amid the pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. Uh-huh. We're approaching a record levels of oil and gas production in the United States. Oh, we are. And we're on track to set a record oil production next year. In the United States, 90% of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10% that occurs on federal land, the oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. Oh, see, those are the facts. They, they, sh- they should be honest about the facts. 9,000 permits that you're openly stopping. The U.S. is producing record amounts of oil, and we're on track to, to, to be one of the, the, the largest producers. In it. What, what is this guy smoking? What was it? Was the ice cream tainted or something? So 2021, this is a headline out of Reuters. Uh-huh. U.S. crude output to fall less in 2021 than previously, previously forecast. Oh, but okay. he just said there was record numbers. It was record numbers. His first year in office. It was it was higher than yeah. than his predecessor's first year in office. Mm-hmm. So I was going to I was going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, OK, you know, maybe, maybe because uh, Trump did have an a, a open policy on that, you know, more drilling and everything. We were energy independent. So when he took office, we were energy independent. And when Trump took office, we weren't energy independent. It was uh, well. Energy was stifled. Do you guys remember what the gas prices were back then? You know, it it spiked up during Obama and then you know went down, and then uh, during Trump, and now coincidentally a, we're back up to the same levels. Yeah, I want to say Trump. It was a dollar twenty five in some some places. Yeah, yeah, we were we were back to nineteen uh, nineties level gas prices. Um, we were we were back to um, honestly the the gas station that shut down. Uh, in the town that I, I grew up in, the the numbers for the gas prices were actually higher than, and that that that's been shut down for like twenty years. It, it like early two thousands when it shut down. Oh, not to mention the fact that um, per barrel there for a time it was act you you were actually the the gas companies were actually paying you to store the gas versus the other way around, which is you know it was it was negative per barrel. Whereas now it's over a hundred dollars a barrel now, but you know he's doing such a great job on energy and and everything. 
Oh, side note, by the way, did you know Russia needs for their economy, it, it needs gas to be over $100 a barrel? Well, anywhere from 80 to 100, somewhere in that range. Well, gee whiz, if we were to, if we were to go, I mean, white hot, as in, in intensity, if we were to go white hot on energy exploration in America today, okay, I'll, I'll do one better, yesterday, and we were burning white hot on the production and the building and the capacity and and doing Keystone and, and we've got all the pipelines working, we got the refineries bustling, we're transporting, we're rolling, we're doing exports. What do you think that's going to do to the price of oil? It's going to tank the price oh, of oil it, worldwide, yeah. isn't it? It not only will it tank worldwide, but if Russia decided to attack Ukraine again, the US is like, yeah, all right, no more Russian oil anywhere. We're sanctioning it everywhere. We're going to kick up our our production and and make up that 11%. It, this is this is something that baffles me on this one. So you you have the environmentalists that are like, okay, we have to get away from petroleum. All right, I understand. We we I agree. We we should get away from petroleum as best we can. We need something to replace it. But here's the thing: Biden is cutting down on oil production here in the states and trying to get other countries to you know take up the slack and and import it. Right. Here's the problem: the regulations here in the United States is some of the most stringent when it comes to oil. And yet we're exporting it elsewhere where they don't have the same kind of standards that we do. Why don't we import it, have it done here so that we know we're doing it right. So we're doing it the cleanest we can possibly do it and ensure that there's less environmental impact because, you know, we got to save the planet. Right. And then export it to the rest of the world so that we know the rest of the world then is going to buy our oil, which is cleaner than the other oils that's being produced and thus being more green in the process as we try to transition from it. It, it helps uh, us in the sense of America first, right? We're not dependent on any other country. Uh, we're self-sufficient. And then we can explore other things like um, nuclear energy, fusion, uh, you know, something else. We could transition to other things. But instead, the Biden administration has cut off uh, more drilling They've restricted that. Um, they've added uh, God, the the kind of regulations that uh, Trump cut, uh, unfortunately, by executive order, so that when Biden took office, he just cut all the Trump uh, benefits and everything and all the he, he made it more difficult. Basically, we were no longer energy independent, you know, and here we are. We're not we're, we're using dirtier oil than because here's the thing. Even if our oil Let's just say, for the sake of argument, real quick, let's say that our oil, the, the way we refine it, is no cleaner than any other country in the world. There's one big caveat. To get the oil here, you have to take it across the ocean using tankers. That means you're going to have to emit CO2 in that process or, or uh, other CO2 or uh, CO2-like, like uh, greenhouse gases. That's the word I was looking for, greenhouse gas. Uh, or, you know, God forbid, an, an oil tanker sinks you've got crude all over you know and then the 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 massive amounts of damage that does but w w it makes no sense i i can't make any sense of this from a we're, we're trying to do good by the american people we're trying to do good by the country perspective this is only destructive that's it i i can't come to a better conclusion than that destructive and it's done on purpose but to what end you see you woke up to the COVID agenda you woke up to the digital id there that's not what they need you to do remember they need you 
to take the digital ID. That's what they need you to do. And you have to voluntarily take it. If you didn't take it with COVID, then they're going to go about it another way. As we said, COVID doesn't exist anymore to them, right? They want all that to go away. They want all the protests to go away. They want all the uh, all the questions to go away. They don't want anybody looking at, it, at, at everything they've done over the last two and a half, three years. They, they don't want anybody to look at that. Now they want you to pay attention to Russia because that gives them the opportunity to create what? Shortages. Rationing. That's what they need. Because the capital markets, they can't handle this anymore. Again, they go back to what works. Governments are unpopular. You start a war. Traditionally, historically, people rally behind their unpopular governments and they can hide the crisis through that. They can blame everything on the war, as you see what they're trying to do now. But the problem is, I think they're having a little bit of an issue trying to block all the information. They've tried to block all the Russian press. Information's still getting through. It's tough to sift through because there's a lot of disinformation coming out, but it's still there. You can still find out a lot of it. And I tell you what, what the Russians are talking about right now, oh, they don't want a word of that coming out in the American press. They don't want any of that coming out in the world press at all, at all. They're running interference in the Western media, mainstream media, as much as possible, talking about how much disinformation is coming out of Russia. Well, that's easy to say when you've banned one side of the argument now. Now you can just say, oh, well, we've already banned it because it's disinformation. So you can't trust anything they say. Well, we don't trust anything you say. Now you're going to find yourself in a predicament where you're going to have rationing. You're going to have rationing of fuel. You're going to have rationing of key commodities, namely wheat products, cooking oil. Oh, yeah. Markets here, as of today, are putting limits on what you can buy with cooking oil. Coffee, tea, flour, rice, all these things. These are all going to be rationed in the coming days, weeks and months and whatever. It's coming. So if they couldn't get you with a COVID pass, maybe they'll get you with a ration pass. That's where I'm going with it. Remember, the World Health Organization and the German telecom companies, they're already working to provide QR codes for the world. They're not stopping. You think just because COVID ended and they're rolling back on some things, you think that's going to go away. It's not. So what comes now is because there's all of these these uh, these rations that we have to do and, and because we need to make sure that the system gets properly monitored and, and everything's allocated right, we need to make sure that we can keep an eye on the, uh, uh, the system and, and what needs to be rationed. Well, see, we're going to do this digital thing that's going to be on your smartphone. It's going to be convenient. It's going to be really easy for you. All you need to do is download this this app that, that we give you as the government in conjunction with the tech companies. And by the way, did I mention yesterday that that's another problem is the tech companies? I'm sorry if I didn't mention that, but that's a big problem. That's also lumped into this, but I digress. So you're going to need one of these IDs now. And uh, oh, yeah, there's this other thing about this, um, something about hyperinflation. Yeah, there's this other thing about the, the currency. Yeah, see, we're only going to be able to issue the rations in a new digital currency. And only those people that have that digital currency are going to be able to access the rationing system. So see, you're, you're going to need that. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to, to go shopping. You're not going to be able to, to buy things. That's where they're taking it. That's what they need. They're going to hold you hostage until you take it. That's the fight here, is that. That digital ID, how, how do I put it? That's the doorway to Satan's playground. Because once you're in that system, I don't see any way out of it. I, I really don't see any way out of it uh, without, <laughs> without going down a road that nobody really wants to go down. So once you're in the digital system, what comes after that? Or does it come before this? I don't know. But one thing is for sure, it is coming. And that's a cyber attack. That's coming. You're already starting to see little hiccups and, and glitches here and there. 
They're just testing what they can get away with now. As a matter of fact, we've had technical difficulties here tonight. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to continue with what we were doing because of just systems being down and and some of the services that we use are just offline. It was uh, actually, I think, first, I, I haven't seen any reporting on it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a cyber attack because one of the main, well, okay, the internet security provider, uh, Cloudflare, which is at least here in the US, that is like, everybody uses that. that that's like, um, yeah, they were being attacked. And so a lot of web services and everything were down. Well, we do know that that's coming again. And I yeah, I, I do believe that they're going to be they're going to be targeting that specifically. Now, moreover, to that point, uh, for those that don't remember, Klaus Schwab in July of 2020, listen to this. But still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. You see, what COVID-19? I didn't hear about anything with, with COVID-19. What's this COVID-19 that he's talking about? See, it doesn't exist because it, it'll seem like it's a, it was a small disturbance. I, I can't quite do the Bond villain accent that he's got. It's just, he's too good at it. But I find it funny that they're giving speeches like that. Klaus is giving speeches like that. And then they, they do Cyber Polygon. What is Cyber Polygon? Cyber Polygon was a war game. It was a tabletop, kind of like Event 201, where they, they tabletopped a release of a coronavirus. And then we got a coronavirus pandemic across the world. And then now they've war game cyber polygon, which is a, a massive cyber attack. And well, you got Klaus Schwab saying that there's going to be a cyber attack and then they war game a cyber attack. And then now they've deleted everything off of their website that shows that they war game the entire thing, which I mean, what, what does that tell you? That, that's like it's like me saying to, to somebody, uh, hey, uh, you you walk out there in that street. Uh, I'm going to run over you with a car. Uh, but you probably shouldn't walk out in that street. I can't say that I'm going to do it for sure, but you probably shouldn't walk out there in the street just in case I decide to drive down the street. And then I come by and I hit you with a car and then the police come and question me about it. And I say, no, I don't, I don't know anything about it. No clue. That, that's basically what they're doing. They're telling you what they're going to do before they do it. That's the point. Cyber Polygon 2021. Typically, I don't read articles on air, word for word, all the way through in their entirety. Typically, I don't do that. But I thought this one deserved it. There's an article that Zero Hedge did, uh, and I'm going to go down this. They, they talk about a lot of the things we've already mentioned. The way they put it together is, uh, is really well done. But before I do that, I want to play a clip from back in April of 2021 of the World Economic Forum doing a live stream with Interpol, Cloudflare, and a cybersecurity company to discuss what was going to be done during Cyber Polygon. But apparently, over the last few days, they've removed Cyber Polygon from their website. Doesn't exist. Never happened. We didn't do that. No, no, of course not. The Cloudflare chief operating officer hints to a digital identity and citizenship for internet users 
and they want to connect everything you do on the internet to a digital ID. And it just so happens they're creating that infrastructure as we speak. The other thing I would add, and I agree with all these sorts of things, is is the best organizations that do this have a plan. And it's almost like they they know where they are, even if they give themselves low marks and they know where they want to get to and they start to make progress there in, in a systematic way. And so when something unexpected comes up, you look at your priority list and you say, where does this fit? How big of a, how big compared to all the other things that we already have a plan to do? The most vulnerable organizations don't have a plan and they don't even want to talk about you know, where, what grades they would give them in the different areas. And so really to be in the top, you just need to start with a plan and, and kind of go through with your, your leadership team saying, where are we? How are we? If we, if something happened, how would we respond? And, and you start to kind of march through building a plan and, and making progress. And you look back after one year, two years, and you're like, wow, we've made a lot of progress. And so when things come up, you're in a better place to remediate and respond, which I think is really important. And I, I, I couldn't agree more about what Jurgen said about it's, it's, it, your question, Amy, about how it's, it's certainly not just the chief security officer's job. It is the whole company's job. And the more that you train your employees, all tides rise. And actually, it's not even employees. It's, it's citizens. We need better digital citizenship. And actually, if everyone becomes better, better digital, digital citizens, the whole, the whole world gets stronger from this. And so it's, you can't just relegate this to your security team. It's a business topic. It's a team topic. And really, it's a digital citizenship topic. I love that. The digital citizens. It feels like a HBR article waiting to be born. Oh, I'll see. It's a, if if we do this, then it's going to be it's going to be beneficial for everybody. See, everybody's going to benefit from that. It's going to be a better world. It's going to be a stronger world. And and see, Bruce, she she already loves it. She, she already loves it. It sounds like it's going to be a, a something with HBO. I'm not sure. But th that's the world that these crackpots live in. But I, I still think that's going to be the future. They're They're going to they're going to try to push for some kind of digital ID system. The thing is, is whether it's the government that does it or it's tech companies or some blockchain or it's something. The thing is, is that's going to be whether we like it or not, that's going to be the future. Digital is going to be the future. And uh, barring some kind of catastrophe or some kind of major event that happens that, you know, throws us back, you know, 200 years or so. Barring something like that from happening. Yeah, everything's going to be digital. Uh, it's, it's going to happen eventually. It's just a matter of when and who's going to implement it. I'm not necessarily against it in the sense that it is going to be more efficient. It is going to be, you know, you, you're going to use less paper as an example or you, you petroleum products, at least on the, on the forward end, you're not going to have like, you know, your little plastic ID card or whatever. But that said, it's it's all going to be energy. It's all going to be, you know, you're just shifting where the greenhouse emissions are. So looking from an environmental side of things, it's really not going to change things much. But the issue I'm, I, I have with going with digital and everything, it's a tool that can be easily manipulated. It's a tool that can be used to easily control people, ID them, track them, you know, hunt them down, whatever. Uh, that's the problem I have with it. Uh, on on paper, it sounds like a good idea. It's efficient and so forth. Uh, and you can tie so many things to it. It would make you it legitimately would make your life more convenient if there was no, you know, negative side effects. If there was no like tracking or any of those kind of things, it would make your life more uh, convenient. You, you would have everything right there. You know, it's just quick and easy. When you know, you want to buy something, it's quick. You you, you want to, uh, you know, say you, you go, go buy some alcohol or something, you know, it's just, boop, you know, just. Oh, no, you lost uh, 10 points of social credit by doing that. That's the problem. 
is right there is the social credit stuff. It's once you get to the point that the entire populace is a uh, digital ID, uh, everybody's associated with it. There is no more anonymity. There is no more, you know, if, if for example, they start cracking down on ideas, <laughs> where have we heard that one before, where have we seen that? And they start really going after people and you have a digital ID, you can't go online and have a podcast and, and talk about actual freedoms because the government will know exactly who you are, where you are. All of that information is at their fingertips at that point. Whereas currently we have a little bit of anonymity still. We still have, it's, it's not the Wild West anymore. It used to be in the beginning, right? Towards the beginning, like the, the dot-com boom and all of that, that effectively was the Wild West. I would say we're at the we're like late 1800s right now. Still kind of has the Wild West vibe to it a little bit, but there's new technologies coming in, you know, new revolutionary stuff. Give it a couple years and this Wild West is no longer going to be the Wild West. It's going to be governments cracking down. It's going to be civilized. And then it, you, you won't have any freedoms again. Uh, it's all going to be NPR. No, thank you. No, thank you. And here to talk about how that is going to affect your uh, your purchasing and intertwined with your uh, your social credit is that well, it's a fit young man, isn't it, Bruce? This is a fit young he man. He is. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I was noticing that he's so fit. You know how those guys that work out all the time, they have no neck? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he has no neck. Yeah. 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 Uh, this is the head of the uh, the Bank for International Settlement, uh, Settlements. By the way, this is if you look at what this bank is, this is basically like the central bank of the central banks. So combine all the central banks that we know them, and then there's a bank above that. That's this guy. Okay. It, basically, he explains how the social credit system is going to influence your ability to use money in their new central banking digital currency system. Aren't our analysis on CBDC in particular for the use of general to the general use, uh, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, and there is a huge difference there. Uh, for example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who is using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability. And also we will have the technology to enforce that. Those, are, those two issues are extremely important and that makes a huge difference with respect to what, to what cash is. Uh, see, you you can't you can't use cash anymore. No, you, you can't do that. You can't have any private sales, private transactions. You you can't have any privacy. You the peasant, you don't need that anymore. No, you you don't need that anymore. Anyway, moving right along. Uh, again, if you think that's a conspiracy theory, right there it is. That's the central bank of central bank heads, right there. This is probably beneath me to to question this. But how did that guy survive COVID again? I'm not quite sure. I I really don't know he, because he looks like he hasn't missed a buffet ever. Yeah. And it's like not like just visiting the buffet because I've done that before. And we actually had a really nice buffet place in, in town. Oh, but that's good. yeah, um, he's it's not like he just enjoyed the buffet. He enjoyed the entirety of the buffet. Yeah. He, he like, sent everybody else that, home. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, now, <laughs> I, st I know what you mean. Yeah. As soon as I saw it, I thought, dude, get on a treadmill. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I usually don't like to criticize people, but my God, man, seriously, you're going to sit there and you're going to lecture us about our, our purchasing power 
and you look like that? That's like Bill Gates selling you a vaccine when the dude's got a gut hanging off himself. Seriously, get in shape before you lecture the world. This is honest. I, I know I'm being petty and blah, 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 but just 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 regulate your caloric intake. Just just look at how many it's just look at what you're eating. Regulate your calories. Just cut down on eating a freaking, you know, 5000 calorie meal every single hour. I have a better solution. Would you like to hear it? What's that? The easiest thing for these people to do is just shut the hell up. Just shut up. We don't want to hear from you anymore. We don't want to see you anymore. We don't want to listen to you anymore. Just shut up. As in, stop talking. Close your mouth. Move on. Let it go. How do you like that? I I, I like that. I, I do want to clarify something for those that are going to be like, oh, you're, you're being too mean and, and attacking people. Good. For their, okay, look, look. Good. I'm 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 attacking people for their weight and and pointing it out because it is not a healthy lifestyle. It's more enjoyable to be a, a a more fit lifestyle. You live longer. You have a more enjoyable life. You have less medical problems. I I was to be fair. I wasn't criticizing him for his appearance. I was criticizing him because of the position and the ideas that he has. That was my criticism. No, I'm I'm not above criticizing someone for being that <laughs> o- overweight. No, that's not yeah, above me. It's a bit hypocritical. Me, to be excuse honest. me. Yeah, it's it's a bit hypocritical. Anyway, so cyber attacks, right? I, we we really drifted there, but cyber attacks. Well, we have to have a little bit of fun, right? We we do. We have to laugh a little bit. Cyber attacks. Zero Hedge did a great story on this, uh, and I thought it uh, thought it deserved a uh, a reading here because uh, they did a they did a fantastic job pointing all this stuff out. They're saying is a large scale false flag cyber attack now imminent, uh, and I, I would tend to agree, yes. We've been screaming about that here for two years now, almost two years, going on two years. Ever since we heard Schwab, we're like, he's literally telling everybody what they're going to do. He, he's literally saying it. In early 2021, at the height of the media-generated COVID fear, the World Economic Forum released a series of panel discussions and white papers outlining a pandemic of a completely different nature, what they referred to as an impending cyber attack with COVID-like characteristics. The program agenda at the WEF was titled Cyber Polygon and headed with unsettling zeal by globalist Klaus Schwab. Again, that's all been removed. World Economic Forum and Schwab are best known for two things. Number one, their involvement in a war game called Event 201, which simulated the global spread of a coronavirus pandemic. The simulation was held two months before the real thing happened in early 2020, and a majority of the measures played out in the game were in fact implemented almost immediately following the outbreak. Again, was that coincidence? Number two, Klaus Schwab's excited announcement that the pandemic was the perfect opportunity to institute what he calls the Great Reset of the global economy, along with the rise of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is the complete centralization of world trade and governance into a global socialist empire where you will own nothing, you will have no privacy, and you'll like it. The fact that the World Economic Forum was so prescient when it came to the COVID pandemic was quite a miracle. It was almost as if they knew what was going to happen, and their political friends in various nations wasted no time carrying out their draconian mandate policies around the world. But something happened that seemed to throw a monkey wrench into the plan. Event 201 predicted an initial death toll of around 65 million people. But this didn't happen. In fact, 
the median infection fatality rate of COVID was only 0.27%. COVID wasn't killing enough people, and the public was starting to question the efficacy of the lockdowns. The useless mask rules and the need to take an experimental mRNA vaccine with no long-term testing to prove its safety. Again, that's when we started to wake up. In the U.S. specifically, conservative states began to rise up and block the COVID agenda. Today, the CDC and the federal government have declared the removal of most mandates, and even the left-wing blue states are beginning to relent. However, most conservative red states have been without mandates for well over a year to a year and a half. We've been without restrictions this whole time, and the government is acting as if they had just allowed us to be free again. The truth is, the globalists at the WEF and their partners abroad failed in their efforts to institute medical tyranny, at least in the US and in certain parts of Europe. The agenda collapsed because the science was against them in every respect. They had nothing. With 99.7% of people safe from COVID, it was impossible to engineer fear enough in the population to get them to relinquish their freedoms. So for those of us that have been tracking these events carefully, alarm bells started ringing when the WEF switched gears and suddenly shifted focus to a cyber attack narrative. In April of 2021, An article was published titled, The Globalists Will Need Another Crisis in America As the Reset Agenda Fails. In the article, it was outlined the most likely scenarios for the next disaster event, which included a war in Ukraine, as well as a global cyber attack that disrupts the supply chain. In the article, it was stated, quoting, The media and the Biden administration are very busy trying to create tensions with Russia over Ukraine. Do you remember all the the rhetoric, all the buildup, all the poking and the prodding that they did over the years? There are renewed tensions between Iran and Israel and continued stabilization by the West and Syria. That's been going on for a long time, I think, all the way back to the Obama administration. They've been trying to get rid of Bashar al-Assad for a decade now, over a decade. And a rising danger of confrontation with China over Taiwan. Oh, yeah, that's common. There is a narrative advantage to global tensions. When presented with a foreign threat, are Americans more likely to reject the notions of rebellion against the government trespasses? Again, historically, that's always been the case. As I said, when the government's policies fail at home, they always stir up a conflict in foreign affairs. They always do that. That's gone back centuries. That's always happened. People rally behind their governments when they're unpopular. But see, they can't do it anymore, the free flow of information. I have no doubt that the establishment will try to claim the liberty movement is not a movement of freedom, but an astroturf movement created by the Russians to destabilize America. You can apply that to the truckers in Canada. You remember that? How many of these people are are Russian agents? You remember that? The CBC? How crazy can you be? This has been the leftist media propaganda strategy for years now, so why would they stop? In June of 2021, they wrote more specifically on the suspicious nature of Cyber Polygon. Will the next globalist war game lead to another convenient catastrophe? Then in July of 2021, another article titled, What if the next major cyber attack targeted the internet? In it, this observation was made. In June of this year, there was an internet outage that led to large swaths of the internet going dark, including a number of mainstream news sites like Amazon, eBay, Twitch, Reddit, and a host of government websites went down. All of this happened when the Content Delivery Network, or CDN company, fastly experienced a bug. Although Amazon had its website back online within 20 minutes, the brief outage cost the company over $5.5 million in sales, and that was just one website. Fastly identified and fixed the problem within two hours, and continues to claim the outage had nothing to do with a cyber attack. However, it did reveal a huge vulnerability for the internet. A large portion of the web is dependent on only three CDN companies, including Fastly. 
Here's the cause for concern. If there was a cyber attack on such weak points in the web, and the attack involved a malicious worm or other highly infectious weapon, then Klaus Schwab could very well get his cyber pandemic. Today, the war tensions with Russia are about to overflow, and it's suspected that it's only a matter of time before China also begins operations against Taiwan. Again, we've been warning about that for well over a year here. As soon as people were freaking out about Russia and Ukraine, I said, watch China. Immediately, I said, watch China. But there's a much bigger threat on the horizon. There is little doubt that at this stage, that a false flag attack on the US or Europe or both is now imminent. And what is mean by a false flag is that the attack will be designed to benefit the globalist and not necessarily the country that is blamed for it. Again, they're going to blame someone else. Klaus Schwab talking about exactly what we played in the clip of him saying, they're literally telling you what they're going to do. They're telling you. They're wargaming it. They're showing you what they're going to do. Why do they do those things? It's very simple. They do those things because when it happens, it gives them plausible deniability. Well, see, we wargamed those things. We, we tried to warn everybody that this is what would happen. No, you're the morons that pulled that off. No one knows those systems like these people do. These people are so transparent, it's laughable. As also noted in the past, Vladimir Putin is a longtime associate of numerous globalists. His friendship with the New World Order individual Henry Kissinger started decades ago, and they continue to meet for regular lunches as Kissinger acts as an advisor to multiple branches of the Kremlin. Putin has also maintained a steady relationship to the WEF, and Russia even joined Klaus Schwab's Fourth Industrial Revolution Network just last year. The claim that Putin is an anti-globalist is a lie. He is deeply involved in the globalist system and always has been. Um, you know what? I've got a clip here of Klaus Schwab talking about who inspired him in his upbringings. Listen to this. I have met practically every leader in the last 40 years. And uh, there were only three or four leaders who really made a lasting impression on me and um, to a certain extent changed my thinking. Uh -huh. um, and one of those, one of those was Mandela, one, another one was my teacher at Harvard 50 years ago, Professor Henry Kissinger. Uh, see, there you go. Changed his way of thinking. To what? Gee, I wonder. Now, if you've got Kissinger, who's a globalist kingmaker, if you've got him, who's doing business lunches or, you know, whatever, with, uh, with Vladimir Putin, and he's also someone that has changed Klaus Schwab's way of thinking through his upbringings, well, that says a lot, doesn't it? Speaks volumes, doesn't it? The globalists are playing both sides of the Ukraine conflict. This is reality. It's very important to understand and accept this fact. Otherwise, you will not be able to grasp the events that happen next. Putin recently threatened Western governments with a reprisal, the likes of which they have never seen before if they try to interfere in Ukraine. The problem is, is that many in the mainstream media and alternative media automatically assumed that this was a threat of nuclear war. I don't think that this is what Putin was referring to. I have another theory. The globalists are unlikely to spend the past several decades building up one of the most complex technocratic control grids in history to track and dominate the public, only to annihilate it all in the blink of an eye with nuclear weapons. A post-nuclear environment would be impossible for them to control. What is more likely, in my view, is a massive cyber attack that targets the functionality of the internet itself, and it would have to happen relatively soon. The amount of economic and business operations tied to the web is staggering. Even if the internet was going to go down for a mere two weeks, the repercussions to our markets and to our supply chain would be devastating. By extension, the benefits to the globalists would be immense. 
They could implement filters and firewalls on any part of the web they don't like, including the alternative media, and claim that this is to protect the internet from possible sources of viral spread. Kind of like what they said about the blockchain. Oh, we're going to have to take the entire blockchain over just to keep it safe and make sure it's protected. No, they want to take over the blockchain because they don't want decentralization. They want centralization. They could whittle the web down to only a handful of approved corporate and government sites, all in the name of protecting the integrity of the net. Furthermore, such an attack would be a perfect scapegoat for the already crashing economy and rising inflation. At that point, the central banks that are truly responsible for our financial instability could simply say that everything was about to go back to normal until Russia or China spread the cyber virus. That's who they would blame it on, by the way. And maybe Russia will be involved, but it will not be Putin that gives the order. It will be his globalist partners behind the curtain. The hype machine surrounding Ukraine is in overdrive right now. It's a little bizarre to me how much panic is being drummed up. It's as if people have forgotten that the U.S. government just spent well over a decade devastating a country like Iraq for no good reason. No one seems to be mentioning the hypocrisy of demanding all-out war against Russia when the U.S. campaigns in Iraq killed hundreds of thousands of civilians and very few countries batted an eye about it. Oh yeah, a million dead Iraqis under Bush, under false pretenses of WMDs that Colin Powell cooked up there? Oh, there's a lot to answer for with that. Clearly, the controlled media is trying to convince the Western people to support direct military confrontation with Russia over a conflict that has nothing to do with us. There are even numerous GOP neocons out there, like Lindsey Graham, like the clips we played of him last week with John McCain, campaigning for true conservatives to go along with a war footing. I don't think it's gaining much traction, but what has worked as an effective manipulation against conservatives in the past? The globalists need to pull another Pearl Harbor, a 9-11 attack, or something even bigger. They need something that will enrage the American population, specifically conservatives. They need a crisis of epic proportions to lure us into an emotional response and the abandonment of logic, kind of like what they tried to do with COVID. They also need a scapegoat disaster that they can use to lay the blame for the impending economic crisis. Again, they can't be the ones left holding the bag. Every time the government defaults on the government's debt, it's never the government's fault. Remember that. They always push it off onto the people. I predict that this event will come in the form of a large-scale cyber attack, and the escalation of events suggests to me that they will try to implement such an attack in the near term, perhaps within the next couple of months, and certainly before the year is over. This is not about Russia. It's not about Ukraine. The real war is between free people and the globalists. When they are removed and their puppets are removed, the majority of these disasters will stop. As long as they remain in power, the crisis events will only accelerate and increase in frequency until they find something that works. Something that makes most people willing to give up their liberties in exchange for the false promise of security. Again, I don't typically read articles, but that kind of shores up all of our points that we've been making here over the last couple of weeks, does it not? I thought it was really well done. What would you think of that, Bruce? Yeah, it's... Actually, a lot of things that we've pointed out as well uh, with the uh, cyber attacks and everything. Honestly, I, I agree uh, that the next big thing is going to be a cyber pandemic. I do agree with that, but I don't. I don't agree with that. Uh, nuclear weapons are off the table, if you will. They're not going to nuke. I think that's very much still on the table. I think everything if, is on the table. If they are, yeah, I agree with you. I, I do agree with you. I think if they're, I, I honestly believe that. I think if they are about to go down, and I mean go down, as in they're going to lose and they're going to have to answer for everything, they will hit that button. That's what I think. They are literally the scorched earth 
suicidal maniacs. I, I'm, I'm not even joking. I'm, that's not hyperbole. I legitimately believe that that's the state of mind that these people are in. They, they've, they've literally gone insane. They've gone insane. Uh, that's the other thing is uh, you need conservatives. You need the, the freedom lovers to jump on board with war or whatever your, your agenda is. And you need some kind of catastrophic event. Nuclear war would be even just one nuke would be more than enough to get conservatives on your side to to be like we we need to go on a war footing. But barring that, I don't really know what it takes because we literally just had war for the last two years waged upon us, the average American, really the average Westerner. Your businesses were shut down, your livelihoods were shut down, you're barred from going anywhere, and they killed over six million people. Uh, because uh, that we know of just from COVID uh, because they were unwilling to use pharmaceutical drugs that were proven to be effective against COVID-19. They, they killed millions of people in this. And then how many more millions have had either um, severe side effects of COVID-19 because they weren't treated or they went and got tr- quote unquote treated and were vaccinated and now they're all messed up. Um, or died themselves. We don't know those actual numbers either. And all that to say, conservatives haven't stood up yet on that one. There, there hasn't been any, any kind of, I mean, okay, so we're protesting. We're uh, uh, have a convoy going after Canada beat us to it here in the US, but eh, I'm not bitter about that one. I don't know what it's going to take. You literally just had 6 million people. Guys, 6 million people. That's the same as what the Nazis did to the Jews. It's 6 million. It's the number that's estimated. I would argue it's higher than that, but I... I oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I that's agree, but just, that, that's yeah. the, you know, quote unquote. But I would argue that COVID is much higher than that as well. 6 million. Because you've had how many people have died from suicide, drug overdoses, the jabs, or, or hell, taking the medications that were passed, like remdesivir, and had, had renal failure. Midazolam in the UK. Yeah. So uh, this, is, um, this is another moment that Americans, at the very least, I'm not, I'm not discounting the rest of the Western world, but the Americans, at least, I, I expected better, if you will. I expected you guys to rise up sooner. I am absolutely shocked that uh, collectively as a nation, we bent over and took it for so long. And the only reason that the COVID stuff is, has been loosened, at least temporarily, is because we have midterms. And the Republicans were like, well, if we get power, you know, if we get the House and Senate, we're going to abolish all these COVID restrictions. So the Democrats were like, yeah, OK, they're done. Yeah, we, we've already removed them. They're, they, we stopped them already. They, they removed the talking points of the Republicans. All that to say, what, what, what is it going to take to get conservatives in the Western world to rise up? I don't know. When you find out, let me know, will you? That's the only thing. Seriously, the only thing. I'm, maybe, maybe it takes having a cyber pandemic and you can no longer watch your Netflix. Uh, Maybe that's what it it takes. Maybe that's it. You can't get to Satan's playground. Excuse me, I say that. You can't get to Facebook. You can't get to Twitter. You can't get to Netflix. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what'll do it. It'll hit the power grid. You won't have any power. They'll turn your lights out for, I don't know, a month. How's that going to go over? 
you don't have electricity for a month. How many people is that going to kill? I mean, went fairly well in California when they were having those brownouts. Yeah, but I mean, in America, really you know, our, our houses are built differently in America. When you start cutting off people's air conditioning in the middle of summer, that's going to cause a lot of problems. That's going to cause that's a gonna lot of ha- Heads are going to roll. Oh, uh, yeah. If you start cutting, yeah. You cut off Bubba's air conditioner in the Midwest, man, I'm telling you right now, somebody's, somebody's going to get a visit in the city council building. Anyway, maybe that'll do it. I don't know. We are going to have to go. So for those of you who would like to uh, send us some feedback, we would love to hear from you. Please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're hearing? We love having you as a listener, and it would really help us out tremendously if you would pass us along to five friends. You have somebody you're trying to wake up. You have somebody that you're trying to turn on to the right information to help them see things a little bit more clearly. Then pass us along to five friends. We would really appreciate that. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.